Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Sillis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about. So pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Tom Shapiro and we'll discuss his secrets to niching down and how he fired 50% of his clients to make this happen. Yes, really. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Tom. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everybody, it's Brooke Sellis, and today I am joined by Tom Shapiro. Tom is the CEO of Stratabeat, which is a marketing agency that focuses on SEO, content strategy, content development, and web development. Throughout his career, he has worked with some pretty amazing clients, including Intel, GE, Hewlett Packard, and United Healthcare. Wow. Tom is also the author of two books, Rethink Lead Generation, which I've read, and Rethink Your Marketing. They're both available on Amazon. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brooke. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited to get talking about this because I'm actually in the process of niching down within my company right now. And on that note, is it niche or niche? Do you say niche or niche? I say niche, but I know you like saying niche. So I I don't know which it is. I don't know what we're going to do today. I could be wrong. I've been known to like butcher words and names. So like, don't take niche. Y'all, if you are watching this or listening in, please send us tweets or a little message somewhere and just let us know, is it niche or niche? Anyhow. The first question I would love to find out from you is how did you make the leap? What was your desire to start your own marketing agency? Yeah, so I have always wanted to to run my own business. And so that was part of it. And then I spent five years at an agency called iProspect, which was really focused on SEO primarily and then also uh, paid search. And we were dealing with a lot of Fortune 500 brands. And it was interesting because it was so much fun engaging with CMOs and VPs of marketing in not just talking about those topics, but, but thinking more holistically about how to solve their problems. And in order to do that, in order to really dive deep and to, you know, to, to kind of go a little bit beyond what that agency was, had in its toolbox, you know, I really felt that I needed to branch out. I needed to go off on my own and build a a different toolbox. That's amazing. I love that you call it a toolbox, right? Because everybody kind of has, even if we're doing the same thing, we all kind of have our own toolbox on how we get it done. Absolutely. So I really love that analogy. So let's focus on niche niche now and talk about your journey to niching down your own agency 
And how did you find that niche niche in the marketing industry? Yeah, so this has been a, a very long process and a very iterative process. And it, the whole concept of the value of niching down or, or niching down really started uh, very early in my career. So I was working for a software localization company in Boston. It was only my second job in, in my entire career. And the company was very, very busy. Everyone was incredibly busy at the time, servicing many different clients in any industry you can imagine, right? So really just going in every direction. And then we got together. So, so the, the head of the company and a few of us got together and we said, you know, who is our most profitable client? And that would be our ICP was a software company. And, and so we said, okay, well, what about non-software companies? And we realized that software companies were literally exponentially more profitable than the others. And so we decided at that time, literally to fire 50% of our clients. Oh, what? <laughs> 50%. And, I, you know, people thought we yeah. were crazy at the time. Was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That was running <laughs> through my brain just now. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we were very confident in doing it because we knew, we knew the underlying numbers. We knew how much more efficient we could be. We knew how much more focused we could be. Because what it did was it enabled the entire company to be focused on one thing and all of our energy, no matter who it was at the company, no matter what they were doing, no matter what day of the week it was, no matter which client they were talking with, Everything was going in one direction. And so we became a dominant force. We grew by 250% within two years following that decision. Wow. A very rapid growth. And then, and then the owner sold the business for a multiple of revenue. So it was a huge success story. And it was all because of that start with niching down or niching down and firing 50% of our clients. Okay, we got to slow our roll here and talk about this firing of 50% of your clients because my, my, my neck hairs like stood up when you said that. I'm guessing that the 50% that you fired were not software companies. Is that how that worked? Correct. So the 50% that we fired were not software companies and then we kept the software companies. And what happened was one, those software company accounts grew and grew and grew. And it made it easier and easier for us to capture additional software company clients. So it made sales easier and we were growing the existing client base. Wow. Okay. So how challenging was the conversation for the people that you fired? Like what, what are some, I'm, that's probably a challenge, but what were the other challenges that you faced? Like losing 50% of your revenue and you, you obviously made it up very quickly, but like talk to me about some of those challenges that you faced. Yeah. So our team was very confident what we were doing. But there, there were some people at the company who are not quite as confident. Uh, and that's natural. It's going to happen at any company with, with any major decision like that, right? But strategy is understanding what to say no to. With strategy, saying no is just as important as what you're going to say yes to. Because if you are saying yes to too many, quote unquote, opportunities, you're really not pursuing any specific strategy, right? You're, you're kind of all mm -hmm. over the place and, and you're diluting the impact of any one thing that you do. And so by being extreme in niching down and really focusing only on software companies and saying absolutely no to everyone else and being very strict about it. And, and of course, you know, we, we tried to find them other partners that they could work with. You know, we did our best to help them with the transition away from us. 
And so it was all, you know, it, with good intentions and we tried to be as generous as possible with, with everyone who we were firing. But at the time, yeah, so, so the biggest challenge was probably just in some internal employees who were a little nervous and doubtful that this, this is the right thing to do when we were extremely confident in what we were doing. Even if we were like cutting revenue in half, we didn't care. We knew this was the right thing to do. How did you... How did you quell those employee fears? Like, oh, hey, we're going to cut 50% of the revenue out, but don't worry, you still have a job. Like, what was that communication like? Yeah, you just have to over-communicate, right? You, you can't assume that anyone is going to make the leap of faith. You can't assume that everyone is going to understand your logic. You can't assume anything, right? You just have to over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. And, you know, our team at Strategy, just jumping ahead by many years to today, you know, our team at Strategy hears me talk about this all the time, over-communicate, right? Like just whatever you do, please over-communicate with clients, over-communicate with partners, over-communicate with, with ourselves. Okay, so follow up to that. You're realizing that you need to niche down. You're realizing that you're probably gonna have to cut 50% of your client base. You wanna over-communicate, as you just said. How did you, when did you, like how soon did you tell your clients this was happening? Like did you, how much runway did you give them on this decision? If I'm remembering correctly, I think we gave them a few months. So it wasn't overnight. And again, we, hit, we tried to hold their hand. We tried to help them find another solution. And so we tried to make it as smooth a transition for them as possible, which is kind of counterintuitive that, that you're spending all of that time and energy and resources and focus on, on helping them find other <laughs> solutions and, and to, to, to find you know another company to work with. But but that was the strategy. And, you know, we stuck to our guns and it worked. I mean, we grew like, like lightning after that. It was, it was really spectacular. And again, the growth was easier. It was actually much easier. And we were not as busy. Like the phone stopped ringing off the hook. You know, it was, it made our lives easier because we were, our close rate increased. We were able to dominate the competition much easier, much more easily. And so, you know, by, by niching down, it frees you up in so many different ways. One, from a marketing and a sales perspective, you know, it, it enables you to have specialization that others do not, right? From, from a time management perspective, from a productivity perspective, from an efficiency standpoint, like everything is working towards one goal rather than towards, you know, 10 goals or 20 goals. It's just very powerful. And, and you know, that was the first time in my career that, I experienced niching down, but you know I'm sure we'll talk about several other occasions that that we've done this. And every single time, every single time we've done it, it's been fantastic, great results. Wow. Okay, so you're making me excited because now I'm being less scared about my own niching experience. But let's talk about acquisition, right? So I want to dig into the ICP, which is an ideal customer profile. If you are not into marketing jargon, like some of us are. <laughs> How did you then take that, that ICP and use that to acquire more software companies? I mean, you talked about how easy it was because now you're only working with software companies, but like, give us some background there. You know, let's say that a software company is looking for a service. Are they going to talk with one company or are they going to talk with five, six, seven companies? They're always going to talk with five, six or seven, always. That's the way it works. And so you need differentiation, right? If you're going in, talking about what what you do well guess what you know there there are competitors who can do exactly what you do 
you might be better at it. You might, there might be subtleties to what you're doing. There might be something that you're doing that's different, but unless you articulate that and unless you explain it in a way that benefits them, right? The audience, the software company, then you're competing in a sea of sameness. And, you know, as an agency, like Strategy talks about this all the time, that, that if you, if you're not figuring out how to really clearly differentiate yourself and stand out, and if you're not focused, and it's not clear exactly what your brand is all about. What you're, we call it a brand stack, right? So it was what your brand stack is uh, and what your brand DNA is and who your ICP is and where you shine, where you're strongest. If you can't articulate all of that, and then if you're not creative enough to cut through all the noise in the marketplace and cut through all the noise that any prospect is going to hear from, say, five, six, seven other competitors as, as the pitch process progresses, you're gonna have a very difficult time, right? And so all of these are ingredients in growing, in increasing your close rate and in dominating a very specific niche. That's so great that you say that. So it sounds like you benefited from niching down by saying one of the benefits of working with Stratabeat is we only work with software providers. You know, maybe some of the competitors that you're talking to don't. So that, so when we did that, that was a different company. That was very early in my career. That was not Stratabee. Okay. So at Stratabee, we have gone through our own niching down process. So when we started, it was just myself, right? I mean, I, I started it literally in my dining room with a laptop and a cell phone and my dining room table and, and you know, our 90 pound dog next to me. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's how, that's how Stratabee started. And you know, got one client, then another client, then another. So, so that was two years of just me working in building the agency, right? And then I hired my first employee, then another, then another. And so it's been a, a process of growth. And when I started, you know, I, I certainly was not niching down. Like I would take anything, you know, I, I just, you know, when, whenever you're starting an agency, you're, you need yeah. to know, right? And so that was the plan was to look, I, you know, we need the revenue. We have certain revenue targets or I had certain revenue targets. And so that, that was the focus then. But then at a certain point, it became clear that we wanted to really focus on B2B. And so this is after we had a team in place and we said, look, we, you know, it, looking at all of our clients throughout the years, we really shine with B2B clients. We're really good at B2B. Let's focus there. Let's, let's double down on our strengths. And, uh, and then we're just going to say no to B2C completely, right? And so it was kind of a, a similar situation where, yeah, we were saying no to certain clients. We were saying no to lots of new prospects who knocked on our door and we, we stuck our guns and we said, well, we're B2B specialists. And, and so it's just not a match where, you know, we're not the best fit for you. And, you know, I think that, that that's in the best interest of them that they should find a B2C specialist. And for us, you know, it's in the best interest of us because we really should be applying 100% of our energy and our resources and our expertise where we can make the biggest difference. And that is in B2B. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, even though sometimes it's scary, right? Like these are scary things, but you've got the results to back it up, right? So I'm, I'm liking the conversation. I'm assuming that niching down also helps the business or benefits the business with team skill set and professional development. So tell me if I'm wrong, but how has that, if it has helped your team as well as obviously the business and revenue? Yeah, without a doubt. 
And so we talked about how Stratabeat is B2B, is a B2B agency. We niched down and, and we said no to B2C. Uh, also, in addition to that, we uh, niched down on our services as well. So we used to offer brand strategy and branding, but then we decided, you know what, where we're, we're, we excel the most and where we enjoy it the most and where we feel the, the greatest growth potential is really on the organic marketing side. So the SEO, the content development, the content strategy, the web design, the behavioral analysis, end of things. Uh, so all of that's organic. We don't pay to play. We don't pay for a click. We don't rent an audience, right? We have to earn every click, right? And so we're B2B and we niche down on our services too. So your question was, has that helped us with training, with hiring, you know, the employee management side of the business, the HR side of the business? And Brooke, I can't explain to you enough how helpful it has been because it was really difficult hiring the right people for the right roles when you have so many roles to fill. Yeah. It's just very, very difficult. And if certain people are out of the office that, you know, they're on a, on a week long vacation or two week long vacation and, you know, then it makes it more difficult to, to cover those right, gaps, right. right. To, to cover for each other. So by focusing on B2B, by focusing on organic marketing, like SEO, like content, like websites, it's enabled us to be very clear in our job descriptions, our job roles, what the expectations are. And we actually have a, a standardized test now for each position. I know that some people are going to hate us for this. So we require that prospective employees take a three-hour test first. Wow. And we're very serious about finding the right fit. And the only way we have learned the hard way, hard way, the only way to find the right fit is if you go through this type of a process. And I know that, that you know, people don't like hearing a three hour <laughs> test, but it, it works. It really works. And, and so for, for anyone who has not tried it, it, you know, it really is powerful and it changes everything. That's one of the things where, which it enables you to have these standardized tests, right? But then also we have a 42 point onboarding checklist. We couldn't have that if we had too many roles focused on too many audiences. Yeah. This way, we have one onboarding checklist for you know a wide breadth of, of our team, and it makes everything smooth and easier and more efficient, and everyone's happier because they know what, what, is, what the expectations are. Things are, are easy to understand. It, it, it just makes everything easier, and it makes training easier. So every Wednesday, we have a training session for the entire team. And, and recently, we added one on Thursdays as well. So we spend an entire hour every Wednesday on training. Wow. We spend an entire hour every Thursday on training as well. The whole team, everyone. We really care about training. I can tell. Really I can do. tell. <laughs> <laughs> the way to make that powerful and have an impact is by having a focal point on what are you training for? If we were trying to train for too many things. Yeah, it'd be impossible. So what I'm learning from you is that niching down is not just about going from giving services to everyone to, you know, B2B businesses or to software companies. What I'm hearing you say is that niching down is really a, a 360 point view within the company. So we're not just talking about niching down with clients 
uh, niching down with our marketing focus and strategy, niching down with our team. Am I missing anything? Like what other areas are you niching down in? Because I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, it's just, you know, picking your focus. But no, like you're making my noodle bake over here because I'm thinking like, (laughs) oh, it's a lot more than that. So what am I missing? Is there anything else I'm missing from that list? Oh, I think I think you covered it pretty well, but it, you're right. It, it is a 360 degree approach to doing business, right? And it makes everything easier, not only easier for you, but it makes it better for your employees, right? And it, you deliver better results for your clients. So it is a win, win, win. Everyone wins. Everyone wins by niching down and focusing. You know, we're true believers in folks. And I'll I'll give you an example of a conversation I had the other day. So a consultant was trying to sell me on his services. Oh, and I told him that that there was an opportunity for for doing paid media for for a company. And it it would have been a big contract, but we're organic marketing. That's what we do. We do organic marketing for B2B technology companies. That's who we are. That's what we do. And we're just honest about it. And that's where we excel. And that's where we're always going to excel. And he said, well, you can make a lot more money if you just said yes and you figured it out and you just took it on. And I said, but that's not this. We don't provide that service. We don't have that expertise. There are other agencies that have that expertise. So it makes more sense for that company to work with a different agency. And he was arguing with me saying that I, I was being a bad agency owner by not taking it on because I was letting the revenue slip through my fingers. And I was trying to explain to him, I don't care. Right. <laughs> You know, again, a lot of people don't understand what strategy means. Strategy means what are you going to say no to just as much as what are you going to say yes to? It necessarily needs to be part of the ingredients in your cake that you're baking, right? And if you want this delicious cake, then you have to say no to certain ingredients, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. I really love, no is so powerful. And I do think as business owners, especially in the beginning, like you said, by the way, there's something about the dining room table because that's when I started to be squared on a laptop. It was actually at my parents' dining room table. But as business owners in the beginning, right, we're saying yes to everything because at that point you are just trying to prove the concept and get some money in the door, you know, get some clients in and get enough of that happening so that you can hire your next person, right? But at a certain point, no almost becomes more powerful than yes. And I, I love that you're saying that. So can you give us any other examples where, because that was a hard no. It was a big contract. It was a lot of money, but and not everybody's driven by revenue, right? That's not everybody's goal. But it, you said no because, yeah, you might have been able to eke it out. But at the end of the day, it's not what you do and it's not what your team is skilled to do. And it just didn't fit with your ICP. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. So in one of my books, Rethink Your Marketing, I have an entire chapter all around goal setting and goal management, right? Because most companies, the majority of companies, I'm confident in saying that, they don't understand how to set and manage goals effectively. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you try and probe and you ask them about their goals, all of a sudden becomes very vague, very noncommittal. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I wrote this, you know, talking about one of the biggest problems in goal setting that we see is where goals are kind of all over the place. Right. And here's what's difficult is 
Can you narrow down your goals to your top three goals for this year? Can you narrow down your top three goals for this quarter? And does everyone in your company know what those are? So that if we went around the room asking, could they answer? One prospect we met with, the uh, executive team, 15 people, and I, I asked all of them to remain quiet. And one by one, I said, okay, tell me about your, this is uh, you know slightly different question. So I said, tell me about your differentiation. But I forced them to go one by one and to be silent while others were speaking. So I got like 15 different answers, right? So can you get everyone on your company on the same page with a very limited set of priorities, goals, focal points, right? And that's how you win. So Warren Buffett, uh, you know, he has a really interesting goal setting process. So he says, okay, we'll come up with your top 25 goals. And these don't have to be financial goals. They don't have to be revenue goals. You know, right. they could be anything in your life, right? These are just, you know, for the year, like, what are your goals? Like, come up with a list of like your top 25 goals that you want to accomplish this year. So you come up with your list of 25. And then he says, okay, so narrow it down now to your, your I think it's, he said top three or top five, right? So one of those. So let's just say top three. And then he said, okay, now he, I want you to only focus on the top three, but here's what I also need you to do. I need you to cross out all the other ones. I need you to throw them out. Oh, no. And you're not, you're not going to spend any time on those. He said the reason why people do not achieve their goals is because they're trying to tackle too many goals. They, don't, they haven't niched down, right? They, ha they don't have a focal point. All of their energy is too dispersed. It's diluted, right? And so there's no impact in the end. We agree with him. We have the same approach as him. Narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down. You know, the more that you narrow down your goals, you necessarily need to say no to the other goals, cross them off your list, throw them out. Because as Buffett says, that's where most goals go to die is where you have a, a priority list, but then you're also kind of like, you have this to-do list on the side, you know, this, this yes. kind of still trying a little bit with these others. And he says, that's what's going to kill you. I feel like you're shaming me right now because that is literally <laughs> me. So moving on. No, but you know what? I love that because you just found another area where you have to niche down. Goals. Goals. Yeah. That's another area that you have to niche down. And I, I'm so bad because I'm literally you're thinking of all the goals on my list. And I'm like, no, I can't cross any of those off. Okay, maybe. No, I can't do that. You know, like that's hard. So like, how do you get the group even within your own company, right? If, if you're, you know, reiterating on goals, how do you get everybody to agree on those top three goals to niche down together? Sometimes you can't. What you have to do is have the right DNA, the right chemistry, the right respect for one another, the right culture, right? As long as you have the right team, the right people, good, good people, right? Then you don't have to agree all the time. It's okay not to agree all the time, but you do have to all commit. There's a difference between, well, I really like this other strategy over here. I think, you know, that's what we should do. That's what we should focus on this year. And someone might have a different opinion. I might have a different opinion. Well, that's okay. I mean, it's great that we all have different opinions. It's great, right? It's fantastic. Because then maybe we can cross-pollinate our ideas a little bit, right? We can work together and, and compound the results. So there is a certain sort of galvanizing what you're putting together whenever, you know, you, you do have people with different opinions who are really smart, but with the proper level of respect and, you know, great team chemistry. Like you have to have that great team chemistry. It, it won't work if, if you have bad chemistry or bad blood or, you know, just, just people who are uh, more 
turf builders, you know, um, mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would say don't focus necessarily on everyone initially loving the, the, the initial list, but they, they do, you know, you need everyone's buy-in that, yes, these are our three goals or these are our five goals for this year, right? You need everyone in the end agreeing that, yeah, you know what? This is it. This is how we're going to define it. This is, we're going to go 100% in this direction. So everyone does need to commit in the end, but you can have a very healthy dialogue as part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> for people like me, <laughs> I mean, for people who are listening or watching, I mean, other than these amazing stats which you've shared, which is like, hey, we fired 50% of our clients, but we ended up making 250, you know, we grew by 250% within the last two years. How do you explain the, or mitigate the risk that people will feel, right, about missing out on a broader market of opportunities? Like, how, how would you convince me to niche down? Like, luckily, I'm kind of in that mode right now, but like, I think I need some more convincing. <laughs> how would you, how would you tell me to do that? You have two choices, right? You can, well, three choices. You can, you can remain the same, right? You can just do what you've been doing and, and keep the status quo. That, that's always one option is to keep the status quo. However, in business, as we all know, the name of the game is innovation. The way you win in business is innovation. You look at Amazon, they started selling books and now, you know, they're a data warehousing, <laughs> you know, mega powerhouse, you know, $50 billion business just on data warehousing. You know, that it has nothing to do with selling books online. You look at IBM, you know, starting business, what, with a, a mainframe computer, and then, you know, they've diversified in many different directions. With every successful business, you know, you, you can see that time and time and time again. And so, you know, I, I would say that for anyone who, who is hesitant to, uh, to innovate and to evolve and to get creative, you know, then you are, you're actively choosing your agency's death, right? You're actively choosing that, right? You know, it's, it's just, I mean, look at any industry. And in my books, I talk about this. I talk, you know, I give example after example after example of companies. So, so in, in my latest book, right? Uh, Rethink Lead Generation. Oh yeah, I've read that one. It's amazing, by the way. Go read it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so now it's you and my mom have read it, I think. We both loved it. We, we get on the phone on Friday nights and we talk about how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you can stick to the status quo or you can say, okay, look, what, what are the benefits of innovating, right? What are the benefits of taking a different path and plowing our own, our own path? And in, I think it's over 20 different case studies in the book, in this book, every single case study, every single one, hundred percent of the case studies involve innovation thinking outside the box, thinking creatively, 100% of the cases. And these are cases where I'm showcasing companies that grew exponentially. Wow. McKinsey has done many studies on this through the years, and they have always concluded that creativity impacts the bottom line, right? So financially, there are financial gains. Companies that are more creative perform better financially, right? Company Tenovos ran a study of like 3,500 CMOs and what they found was 100% of the respondents, so out of 3,500 CMOs, 100% of them said creativity positively impacts top line revenue and bottom line wow. profit. Everyone says it, right? So, so the evidence is everywhere. And so if you want to pay attention to the evidence, fantastic, and, and you can capitalize on it. And if you want to have the excuse that 
you know, no, we're different. It doesn't apply to us. We're, we're unique and, and different. And, you know, we, we can't, we can't do that. Well, okay. But, but the evidence stands against you. And so it's interesting, right? Because on the one hand, I'm talking about being creative and being innovative. And you would think typically like innovative means expanding, right? Yeah. Broadening, right. But what, what I'm saying is if you niche down, Think of Warren Buffett, right? One of the one of the richest <laughs> people on the entire planet. He obviously knows what he's talking about, right? If he's saying this, and and if you then niche down, you have hyper focus. All of your energy is going in one direction, and you are innovating with it. That one focal point. Think of how much more powerful you will be than any other competitor. And so, when you're pitching, your close rate skyrockets. You don't waste money with your marketing, right? You know exactly who you're going after. You go after them and you win. Yeah. And you win consistently and you win reliably. So it's a, it's a matter of niching down, but not just niching down and then keeping the status quo. It's niching down and then innovating and being creative. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking to me. I'm, I'm getting on board. <laughs> so from a tactical perspective, like let's say I'm doing it, but I know, you know, other people who are listening might be in the process of doing this niching down or thinking about doing it. How do you tactically, like what's the tactic? What, what are like the first three steps? Would it be, you know, you mentioned the ICP. Is that the first step? Like what are those first three tactical steps that you really have to take to make sure that you're niching down in a really smart way? So yeah, we always start with the audience, right? So the ICP, who is your ICP? You have to know your ICP and everything flows from that because what you're doing is you're satisfying you know, their needs, you're, you're helping them grow, you're solving their problems, you're making their companies more successful, you're making them individually more successful. And so it all starts with the audience, it all starts with the ICP. At the same time, you have to know what you're good at and is there alignment, right? Is there audience fit, right? Is their audience services fit? And so if you have these amazing solutions that are not really what your ICP needs, there's misalignment, right? There's not a good fit, you're going to have a problem. On the other hand, you know, if you have these amazing solutions and you don't know who your audience is, there's there's another example of misalignment, right? So so it all has to fit together. You have to know your ICP, right? You have to know what frustrations you they have. You have to know what problems they have. Sunday night comes, do you know why, what is causing that pit in their stomach on Sunday nights? And if you don't know, you have a problem, right? It's going to be challenging to be successful. You have to know that. You have to know what keeps them up at night. You have to know what their goals are, what their frustrations are, what their challenges are. Even individually, you know, if, if your customer is the CMO, for example, or the VP of marketing or the director of marketing, you know, what are they looking to do individually? Like, what are, what are their goals, Right. What are they, where do they need to be in 12 months? One of the questions that we always ask our, our prospects is, because they call up and they say, oh, I, I need SEO, or I need blogging, or I need a website. And I always say, take a step back and just tell me, where do you need to be in 12 months? And where do you need to be in 24 months? And then we'll tell you what you need. <gasps> yes. Oh my God, I love that. Right? Yeah. What is the saying? I can't give you, it would be, oh God, I'm going to totally butcher this. It would be to give you a prescription without a diagnosis would be malpractice, right? And that's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. I can't give you a prescription for what you need until I diagnose the problem that you're having. Otherwise, I'm not aligned. It's more misalignment, right? 
Right. And so if you know your audience extremely well, very deeply, on a very deep level, right? Then when you ask that question, you know, you know that you have the solutions to help them get there. So it all, it all comes back to audience solutions fit. There needs to be a fit there and it needs to be a hundred percent match. And if it's not, you know, you need to recalibrate and figure out, okay, are we going after the wrong audience or are we offering the wrong solutions? And, you know, you have every right as an agency owner to recalibrate, right? And to, to make sure that that audience solutions fit is perfect. Once it is perfect, right? Innovate like crazy to deliver amazing solutions for them in this niche. For example, our audience is B2B technology companies, right? That's who we work with. That's, that's where we can help them the most. We can move the needle for them the most. We can make them successful. And we feel very confident about that, right? And so you, you do have to know that. And then you also have to be as confident in your solutions that you have. Right. And you bring all of that together. And then it's like magic, right? Because in you're, you don't even have to talk about your solutions per se. When you say, what are your goals? You know, where do you need to be in 12 months? Where do you need to be in 24 months as a business? And then you start talking about these ways to get them there. It goes back to our conversation about staying within your niche, but being innovative within that niche. Then all of a sudden you are having a very differentiated conversation that none of the competition is having with the prospect. So the, the prospect is out there talking to five, six, seven different agencies, trying to find an agency. You're the only one having this conversation. The only one. I love that. I love it so much. It, it ties in because the service that we're thinking about niching down with is it's one of our newer services. We've only been, you know, I've been around for 11 years. We've only been offering it for like five. But what I'm hearing you say is, if I want to niche down to to this particular service and this particular audience, these clients are typically B2C businesses. So like direct to consumer goods, consumer goods and finance, but their customer is a person, right? So it's B2C. You, what I'm hearing you tell me, which is like, I'm getting, I'm wrapping my head around it. I'm getting there. <laughs> is that we have a lot of B2B clients who we serve right now with other services, not this particular service. I might have to niche down on, on and only start to serve these B2C clients with this particular service and anything else that comes along with that service. Yeah. It can be very powerful. Again, there, there are those out there who would argue against this. Like I told you, the consultant who, yes. I mean, we, we, didn't, we did not hire him, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he argued with me that we needed to go as wide as possible and say yes to everything because it's all revenue and all revenue is good. It's an opinion, right? This is my opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but it is a very effective, very powerful strategy by niching down and then being very innovative within that niche. And as we talked about, making sure you have the audience solutions fit. So you, you know your ICP and you're innovative with your solutions and you start having very differentiated conversations that no one else is having. You put all of that together and yeah, it might not be the right thing to do for every agency, but I think for many agencies, it would be the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm agreeing with you. I just think it's like, it's a, it's a hard process. It's a slow and painful process, but the end result is worth it. So tell me this, how are you 
because you've done all this amazing work already. You've niched down here. You've niched down on goals. You've niched down with the team skill set and training. You know, what does the future look like for Stratabeat when it comes to niching down? Like, are you going to continue to niche down to help continue that evolvement and, and to continue growth? Or do you get to a certain point where you don't niche anymore? <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to niche down any further than we are today. We'll see. We'll see. Right. Well, you know, every year we 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 look at the business, we look at our, our client list, all of that. Every quarter we examine ourselves and we examine our strategies. We examine what's going on in the market very seriously. So, so for example, one of the things we do is we dedicate one full day every quarter to strategy, to our strategy as an agency. So we close our doors, right? We don't have any client meetings that day. And the entire day, is the entire team gets together. And we have a very structured day in examining different parts of the business, different parts of the market, different parts of where we want to be in the future, long-term and short-term. And so, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's important to, you know, revisit and recalibrate when you need to. But for us, where we're at today, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing a need to niche down further than we are because we have spent so many years niching down already. That makes sense. But I also like the word deep is coming to my mind, like breadth, you know, like the breadth you could serve everyone is bad. Deep is divine if we want to go with alliteration. And but though to get deep, you have to do the deep work, like just like you were saying with that strategy session with the ICP with, you know, goal setting and only picking three goals out of the 500 you have on your sheet. So you have to do the deep work to get deep to niche down is what I'm gathering from our whole conversation. Yeah, I think I think it's it's an effective strategy. Again, might not be right for every agency, but you know, for ours it definitely has helped a lot. If you try it next, Brooke, I'd, I'd love to hear the results. I will. I actually, I would love to talk to you about it because I just did like the ICP for this, for this niche, for this audience. And I'm actually really happy and surprised and very pleased. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have some more conversations about it. You've been amazing. I think you've, you've given me personally a lot to think about. So I'm assuming there's a lot of people listening or watching who are also going to have a lot to think about. Where can they find you? What are you working on? How can people connect with you if they are like, hey, how do I niche down? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. And I'd be happy to answer any questions that anyone has. You can contact me at, at the Stratabeat website. So it's just stratabeat.com. And then you can just, you know, submit the, the contact form. And, you know, if you address it to me, it'll, it'll be routed to me. And then also on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you contact me, if you DM me on LinkedIn and just Make sure that you mention that you watch the marketing agency show. Yes. Tell me how much you love Brooke. And, um, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn pretty much every day. Me too. That's kind of my hangout of choice right now, too. Well, Tom, thank you again. You are amazing. And I can't wait to have more conversations on the side. And maybe we'll do a follow up call to to see what kind of results I've gotten and and how to further other people's journey towards niching down. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, be sure to give us a follow. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooke Sellis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, make sure you tag at SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast, the Web3 Business Podcast, and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. 
This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.